0: Good evening.
1: Good evening. (laughs) It's not evening. It's 11 o'clock in the morning.
0: Yeah, it just felt like a a very classy phrase.
1: It's the the classic podcast fake out, right?
0: Yep. It could be any time of day. It could. They would never know.
1: Except we're so scheduled and routine that we always do it at 11 a.m. On Tuesday. On Tuesdays.
0: All right. Uh, Welcome to the listeners. Uh, That was a little peek behind the curtain for you. Um, I am Scott. I am Teresa. We are the pastors at North Star Community, and we do this little weekly podcast to um, help people um, hear our message who weren't able to be here in person to hear it. And uh, lately, we've been um, having these dialogues about it, which helps because it gives a little outside perspective um gives an opportunity for out outside perspective and dialogue about a message that sometimes is, you know, when you're there in person is only presented from one person's perspective.
1: Yeah, so basically we're using the podcast to clean we're using the podcast to clean up our messes. That's right. Our weekend messes.
0: Yeah. Well, it's just a little more interesting to listen to than than one person's voice. So Yeah. And people have I said hope that they've so, enjoyed anyway. the format, so we'll continue to do it as such. Cool. Yep.
1: So you talked about collapse last week. It was kind of a hard message to hear, actually,
0: Yeah, as a listener. It's been a theme of mine over the last couple of years. Um, But tell me, uh, why don't you start? Why was it hard to listen to?
1: Well, you know, it's sort of a generational thing um, that um, if the listeners don't know, I'm a lot older than you and you happen to be my son. Yep. Uh so um uh, mommies and daddies, no matter how old their kids get, I don't think like thinking about their children collapsing, having a life collapse. Or I think uh in our case, I don't know if other families are like this, but we have a lot of people we love um that um I don't like to think about their collapses either. Right. So uh thinking about like the pain and the trauma of when life collapses, and I think I think you made a statement uh, early on in your message where you were talking about sometimes a life collapse really literally means that from that day forward nothing about your life is ever going to be the same. Yep. And I think it implied to, or maybe you out and out said it that this happens at times when there's a whole bunch about our life that we really actually like. Mm-hmm. So it's a real, uh, I don't know, harkens back to Job's collapse, yep, uh, a book you and I like to read on a regular basis. Um, and it made me sitting there think, maybe you and I both often return to that book for pondering what's in it because we sit in a position so often of witnessing life collapses and even having our
0: own we do see a lot of them we have each had our own um, and and recently I mean within the last few years I think both of us have felt like we've had time periods of collapse yep and uh, you know you're right collapses happen in a variety of different ways but I think one of the things that's really stunning I think about working in the in the about living in the world of recovery let's say is that i think most people who probably don't have a lot of touch points with the recovery world would assume that a lot of the collapses um, are things that people quote unquote and i'm i'm saying this tongue in cheek yeah deserve
1: oh because yeah i, I didn't think about that cuz that's not the world we live in but
0: no 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 yeah you so i'm saying people somebody,
1: earn earned their collapses in a way I'm they saying, practice
0: i'm saying that people who don't know the world of recovery who like if you just talked about substance use disorder first of all they would have never heard that phrase right they would have only heard the word addiction but they would assume that that person's collapse was just the product of being bad yeah right and right. that and that divorce happens to people who do bad things right and I, I not everybody thinks that obviously but i i think there's a lot of people who are on the outside um who haven't experienced a collapse or maybe are have been a, only seen it at a distance would think that people kind of get what they deserve in life yeah. i think a lot of people operate with that mentality that people get what they deserve in life whether they know it or not i just have this gut instinct that that's in there for a lot of people
1: hmm interesting
0: you don't you don't agree
1: uh i think that that's probably true but it is so far away from my frame of reference that i'm like kind of shocked to hear that i'm like there are people who really think that that people ultimately get what they deserve they must be living kind of isolated lives
0: i think a lot of people do um again i could be wrong i mean it's it's not it's not everybody i you know i don't know if it's a majority but i think there's a lot of people and this is uh a product of some of my conversations with either people who come in for a one-off meeting or yeah you know, different things. So and that's my perspective on other people's perspective. But the thing that's interesting about living in the world of recovery is you see how often collapses come without warning and are not happening to bad people. I mean, even even in cases where somebody misbehaves, right? Like that, even even a big misbehavior can be, an out-of-the-blue thing for a person. It can be, somebody can do something very self-destructive that's out of character, right? Yeah. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. And,
1: um, I mean, I really appreciated your message on Saturday night and Sunday, obviously. I thought it really was powerful. However, one of the comments on Sunday morning completely blew me away. You probably remember which one it was when, One of our friends made the quote, said the quote. This is pretty close to what he said. He said, I was attending an N.A. meeting without any thought of using, got in my car, drove out of the parking lot, and instead of turning right to go home, I turned left. Yep. And had had, he was in long-term sobriety when Mm -hmm. that
0: happened. Yep.
1: And that was absolutely a complete shock to him. Mm -hmm. And I think that really speaks to your point. Um, You know, I think that sometimes we uh, like the idea that people get what they deserve or that people have made a series of very poor decisions that leads to inevitable collapse. Uh, I think we like thinking it's like that because it gives us a sense of control of our own life.
0: It makes you feel safe. It like, makes you feel safe. It, it makes you feel it, like that that those outcomes are not coming your way. Yeah. Right.
1: And so I can see I haven't done
0: they, anything yeah. like what that person has done. Right. Therefore, I won't experience a collapse myself. Yes.
1: And not only have I not done those things, I've practiced all these other things like little security totems that are somehow going to keep me from a collapse.
0: I think that's one of the most dangerous things that people can think is like, I'm not capable of X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Like, I think it's really important to live with the, with the knowledge that you're capable of doing a lot more harm than you think. Yeah. Um, And it's, that's, it's about humility. It's about self-honesty it's not about beating yourself up. right? It's not about I'm bad, I'm evil, I'm wrong. It's I'm capable of quite a lot, therefore I have to stay dedicated to the things that prevent me from becoming the worst possible version of myself.
1: Yes, which can also be understood even from a place of real compassion and empathy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it was a hard message. Hard message to listen to. Um, Because I still wish that people didn't have to experience collapses. I wish I didn't have to experience collapses. I wish there were 10 easy steps to never having a collapse.
0: Yeah, and the message um, came from... I mean, the starting point of it really was the fact that... um, I I had had not personally a difficult week. I mean, I had had challenges in my personal life this week. Nora got horribly sick, and so we lost out on sleep and had to do a lot of. Nora's my one year old. Um, you know, I so, can't believe she's one. But yep. keep going. So that that has its own challenges that that you know sort of make it um, you know um, losing, you know, being up all night and then having to function during the day is obviously very difficult, but then. And
1: worrying about your kid.
0: Sure. Sure. Yes. Yes. That's an emotional toll, not knowing what's going on. Um, so then, I mean, in additionally, I think I had three, three or more meetings, uh, so it's hard to remember in this moment I'd have to go back and look at my calendar to see the timeline but <laughs> no one cares no one cares I had at least three meetings with people who were uh in the middle or at the beginning of a of a of a major life collapse last week and um in addition to some uh that have kind of been ongoing in our lives in our in our personal and in our working lives together our being me and you mm-hmm um, and, um, seeing that up close, you know, I'm an observer, that's kind of part of my nature, right? right. Is like, um, right. taking stock of things and, and so seeing these things up close, you know, I had several, several reminders right. of, uh, really important stuff that it's not, th- these are not these observations are not things you can keep in mind when you're in the middle of a collapse. This was a message for people who were not currently in a, in a collapse, collapse. Yeah. right? And, you know, that maybe that's unfortunate for the people who could have been here this week and who were in, in the middle of a collapse, that so this wasn't necessarily something that was going to be super, help, super helpful. But the first thought, which is um, obviously not a groundbreaking thought, but we see how often these collapses come out of complete nowhere. Right.
1: Yeah, I think you used the word fragile. Well, that's
0: that's where I was going. You're yeah. leaping ahead of me.
1: The well, f- I can't help it if I'm faster
0: than you are. The first thought is- My mind is a speeding <laughs> bullet. Because the collapses <laughs> so often come out of nowhere, that that reminds me how fragile our status quo is. Yeah. Right, and that's that's sort of the key. And I know it, there's probably people who are listening who will jump in and say nothing comes from nowhere. There's always things going on beneath the surface, and you may not be aware.
1: You think they're uh, going to use that snarky tone? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: They're probably no. I mean, yeah, that's what I would do to them.
1: Okay, cool. <laughs> I just wanted to be clear that judgment run, runs rampant. But go ahead.
0: The point is not do th- do things. Uh, literally come from nowhere or not. The point is the perception and the experience is if it is out of the cloud, right? It doesn't matter
1: whether it's factual or not, or if a lot of digging into somebody's history might say, oh, with hindsight bias, there were some warnings. It's like the experience of an immediate collapse is real. And I, yeah. you know, I can speak to this in a, you know, in in a very uh, personal way, I won't I won't go into the details, but you know, a couple of years ago, my life changed in the course of six hours. Yep. And I would have never predicted.
0: There was a lot that led up to those six hours, but yeah. it doesn't mean that that this was the only outcome.
1: Right, and uh, exactly, and yes, in hindsight. Does it seem inevitable? It does. But if that hadn't happened, I'd still be
0: trucking along, you know? So, um... And reasonable minds can differ on this, but I don't think it was inevitable. You know, like, I I think there are... I agree. I think there's always different ways that things can go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And And, so... Yeah. Yeah. But it is... It it, it doesn't have... Yeah. Your point is well taken. I'll stop there.
0: And and I think, you know, sure, there's times where we're a little bit self-deceived about how good things are, but, you know, our safety and our security and our stability and all of these things, I mean, it can be really fragile. Yeah. And so the message was very simple. And I, I think kind of very short. I mean, we had some extended conversation, but, you know, my next point uh jumping off of that one was this which is given how fragile things are and i don't think a single person in there disagreed when i suggested that our our status quo in life is fragile No, i think everybody we had. pretty much nodded vigorously like yep. yeah it's fragile yeah, yeah things can go away in the blink of an eye right and that means um and this is the part that maybe people are not used to thinking about which is We need to be craftspeople of our lives. Yeah. Um, I can't guarantee... um, I cannot give you a way to avoid collapse, and I cannot give you three simple steps to recover from a collapse. And I'm very hesitant to promise that uh, that certain behaviors lead to certain outcomes in life. But what I can say is that being diligent about how we live our lives makes a positive difference regardless of what the what outcomes we get.
1: Can I give you a a simple example? Sure. So, when I was about your age, uh a little younger, was around 30, your grandmother um had a series of unfortunate events happen yep she fell on an acorn I mean there were there were some things that happened <laughs> some bones were broken you know yep and um it it caused Dad and I to uh, have some conversations about it and one of the things we said to one another is, um, we didn't use the word craftsman of our own lives, but what we did say is, you know, the human body is a very frail thing. Uh, we are going to make a commitment to taking care of it. Yep. And it, it may still fall completely apart, but our kids will never sit at home late at night going, why didn't mom exercise? <laughs> you know, why why didn't mom... Make better choices. And so dad and I, you know, we were like 30 at the time. I mean, pretty much since then have exercised almost every day and tried to, you know, we've done things that um, have not always given us the desired outcome. I mean, if you look at me, you don't necessarily think I'm a person that exercises every day. I don't look like a marathon runner. That's not the kind of exercise I do. I look like a grandma. Um,
0: You're a grandma.
1: I know. And I, I love it. But the thing of it is, is I don't think any of you kids would ever say, yeah, mom, mom, we're all reaping the rewards of mom never taking care of her human vessel, Right. Right. You'll you know you know we tried hard (laughs) and no matter what happens, so I think you know at any minute my body can collapse and let me down. Um, But that is one small, and we had other areas of our life where we adopted the exact same philosophy, where we said we don't know how our kids are going to turn out.
0: We are going to work at this because we know it's what's best for us in the long run, even though we don't know exactly what what the results are going to be
1: right and no kid no kid on our watch is ever going to say hey the first time the first time i drank was when i was 10 and i got into mom and dad's stash cuz in our house mom and dad don't have a stash right um and you know we've had lots of discussion and lots of um your friends at various times have given dad and i lively and wonderful discussions about whether or not we ever taught you guys how to drink responsibly because we didn't drink, for example. Um, which I loved every single one of those conversations. Even the judgment, it was pretty great. But um, those were that, that was us trying to make the best decision we could make given our genetic history.
0: Yeah, that idea for me came out of um, a conversation. So I had this guitar built Yep. by somebody that I had met through a guitar forum, which yeah. I know is crazy and everybody's going to be like, what is he talking about? It's beautiful, though. It doesn't matter. It's beautiful. It sounds It sounds uh, perfect. Um D-I-O-N, guitars, D-I-O-N DionGuitars.ca. Okay. Just putting in a plug for my friend. We became friends over the process.
1: Well, that's of, awesome.
0: Uh, of the last year of talking and um, started out just talking about guitars and evolved into other things, but you know, I got to meet him in person a number of weeks ago when I went to California, and um, we got to sit down. I got to sit down to dinner with him and his wife, and, um, you know, one of the things he was saying is um, he, doesn't, he doesn't make no money at it, but he doesn't make gobs of money at it, even though he's building world-class instruments that are bought and sold in the finest instrument stores all over the world, Literally. From Singapore to Canada to the U.S. to the U.K., all over the place. And, uh, you know, I think to myself, how does somebody who's at the pinnacle of a certain field building things that are universally recognized as being among... Treasures. Yeah, being among the best. Yeah. Not make that much money and still... Keep doing it. Yeah, like where does the motivation come from, you know, and so... What he would say is, um, you know, to the outsider looking in, this is a really undesirable life because so much of it is taking measurements and making cuts and recutting and making mistakes and fixing your mistakes and just these really, really tedious tasks with tools and wood. And that's what he loves. Yep. He loves that more than anything, taking those measurements making those cuts, doing these small, tedious things. Yeah. And for him, that's the reward. He gets to do the tedious stuff every day because that's what does it for him. Yeah. And, you know, the, I saw so many parallels to how I view my uh, faith and my own efforts at recovery. Yeah. Uh, which, which
1: is— are, Just to be clear— a lot of very small tedious tasks.
0: Yeah, and it's because, you know, here's, well, let me finish the thought and then I'll, I'll give you an example. But it's, you know, it, it's it's the difference for me is that I don't always love the small tedious tasks of pursuing faith and recovery in my everyday life, but I love the results. Right. Um, now that doesn't mean that now we'd have to have a conversation about what those results are and what those outcomes are, right? What are you actually working towards? I think that's a, that's a separate conversation, but as one example, um, Brittany and I have a conversation about every time we feel slighted in our relationship, right, we, we, and it doesn't always happen in that moment, but like if something bothers me that's happened, we sit down and talk about it. If something bothers her that's happened, we sit down and talk about it. And we don't talk about it all at once. We don't wait for the next thing. We do it relatively in real time. Now, maybe that thing happens on a Tuesday and you don't talk about it until the following Tuesday. Right. Right, but you, you we're not letting these resentments pile up. And what I love... You know, what keeps me going in that is it's difficult to do that. Like, it's difficult to sit down and have those conversations. No one wants to have conflict when you could be watching TV. Right. But I love the fact that we're not letting those things build up. Yes. And to me, that is, I'm not saying that we do everything perfectly, right? But I'm saying that I think that's what it's like to be a craftsperson, person. Of your recovery is like, not only do you voice your concerns, but you own your flaws. Right. And that's something that we work hard at. We're not perfect at it. Um, And we're trusting that the results of that are going to help save our marriage in the long run.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think this idea of going back to the example of Dion and his craftsman's life right? Um, in a world, I mean, I hate to always say in a world where, but I mean, I'm saying it, in a world where priority seems so messed up, to avoid you having to cut out my cussing with a loud and obnoxious beep, mm-hmm. in a world where priority seems so confused and messed up, Look, a craftsman life across the board uh, does not have a lot of obvious rewards that you're going to get a lot of affirmation for, right? Right, right. Because I think what you would say is you guys have a relatively high conflict marriage. Yep. Because you have a lot of conflict because you're actually resolving your issues. Or trying to. yeah. Yeah, Or, you know, or at least acknowledging them Mm -hmm. in process. Um, As opposed to somebody who says, we have no conflict. You know, that's just not true. You can't, I, I, I just don't see how you can be married to somebody and not have perceived and real slights or perceived and real resentments. So you've upped the conflict in order to have long term more um, you just you're just trying to craft the heck out of your marriage?
0: Yeah, are you doing the work? I mean, that's my question yeah. for somebody who's who has no conflict. Yeah, you know and, and maybe you know maybe people are are able to live much more harmoniously than we are, and that's great if you are. But yeah, the idea is that all of these little things that we do are going to make it possible for us to stay together. Right. And that's not something we can see, touch, taste, or feel. Right. Right? And we're not going to know if these efforts are the things that help us stay together or not. Right. <laughs> you know, you're, you're right. trusting the process. And that's the part that I think is the parallel to what Dion does. He loves the process. He trusts the process. Right. He's committed to the process. Right. And, you know, the same person who talked about going out and using um, after years of sobriety, said, in a different part of the service, that you know his family has made recovery their lifestyle.
1: I loved that. So their much.
0: friends are friends who are in recovery, and I'm not saying this is necessary to stay in recovery. You don't have to make your whole life about recovery. But he was saying that's what that what's given them the life that they want is having a lifestyle of being in recovery. Right. We and ought to do surrounded. a whole
1: podcast about. What is a recovery lifestyle? Yeah. You know, we should even maybe interview.
0: Yes. Do a podcast interview with our friend. We'll have to reach out and see if they are willing to um, uh, come on. Yeah. um, Yeah, I thought, you know, that is such a, um, I couldn't have planned that better, but that is exactly what I was talking about is you commit yourselves to the things that that you're pretty sure are going to give you the kind of life that you want, the kind of life where you can weather a storm and respond to a storm, uh, knowing that you're never going to eliminate them or be able to plan for them. But that recovery lifestyle, I suspect, is what helps them respond to what life throws their way.
1: Yeah, on both sides of the coin, right? Yep. Because on his side of the coin, he didn't know he was going to turn left that night. His wife certainly didn't know. Right. He was gonna turn left that right night. And she too is working her own recovery program. So I think there's just a real I think if I think that this message is a real challenge and a call to all of us to say, you know, are you being a craftsman of your life? I love uh, I love Mary Oliver's quote. Um, what are you gonna do with your one wild and precious life? Mm-hmm. And I think so often people believe that that means, you know, what are you going to invent? What mountain are you going to climb? You know, what big dream are you going to fulfill? But I think the real beauty and the real magic and the real artistry is not in the big moments, but what you do moment by moment because that's your life the other stuff are moments of glory or fantastic crashes uh it's my observation that the collapses that really really get to us are uh part of our day-to-day life they're not part of um a fantasy life
0: right uh
1: so i i thought it was a good i thought it was Hard message for me as a mom to listen to and the just imagining and realizing that people I love are having collapses. But uh, I thought it 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 you asked a question that I hope people are really going to take seriously.
0: What question are you referring to?
1: You, you, you ask them, challenge them to consider are they crafting their life? Are they being a craftsman of their own life? And uh, I believe that that was the heart of Mary Oliver's quote. What are you going to do with your one wild and precious life? Um, I don't think it was a quote about how many fields of poppies are you going to run through? Um. Or how many great selfies are you going to snap? But like, what are you going to do with your actual day-to-day, moment-by-moment life?
0: Yep. Um, you know, I feel like we're probably wrapping up, and I feel like that's probably the right thing. I also feel a little pressured to say... You know, given that these are message recaps and, you know, I like to use scripture when possible. Yeah. And the scripture that we used, and I'll just do this real briefly, was the first couple verses of Psalm 67. And the idea in those verses, you can look them up. And the idea is that God smiles upon us. God's face shines upon us. God blesses you so that you may bless the nations. You know, that's sort of the quick summary of what's going on there. And the idea there is just that, God loving his people, God loves his people so that they may love everybody, so that everybody may come to know God. That's sort of the logic of what's happening there. Um, And the connection point is that is not something that's going to happen totally passively. Even receiving God's love is not something that happens passively. That requires us to uh, perhaps posture ourselves in certain ways or to do certain disciplines or whatever. Um, and then the act of loving others so that they may know God's love is not something that's going to happen on accident. It's not going to happen just by virtue of luck or happenstance. Right. It's going to take that dedication to be a, a crafts person of a certain kind of life in order to spread God's love so that people know and experience can receive and give God's love so that we are transformed, so that the world is transformed. Um, and knowing that that, that that process of being transformed and having the world transformed is the work that begins and ends with God's work. And um, so that was the that was the connection point. Uh, to To the scripture, for whatever that's worth. And um, those are two powerful verses that are very meaningful uh, for me that go back quite a ways in my own life. And um, so I, I just encourage you to look those up.
1: Yeah, and uh, we've enjoyed, or at least I can own the fact that I've enjoyed this conversation with you. And about right now, the music is beginning to play. If you like that music, which comes to us totally free, Uh, Where would someone go to uh, do that for their own podcast, Scott?
0: (laughs) The music comes from uh, Blue Dot Sessions, which can be found on the web at uh, www.sessions.blue. If you have stumbled upon our podcast accidentally, uh, we're sorry, first of all. Uh, but if it has not been a bad experience for you and you are curious about who we are and what we do and want to learn more, you can find us on the web at www.northstarcommunity.com. Uh, we look forward to talking again soon. How do yeah. You want, how do you want to?
1: Next Tuesday at 11 a.m. is when Tuesday. we'll join. But, you know, people don't care about that.
0: No. And, uh, yeah. So, uh We enjoyed doing this. We hope you enjoy listening, and we will talk to you next time.
1: Yeah, bye-bye.